I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we start the pod this week, I just want to give a shout out to a local business. This year, we are working with a number of businesses from Teesside. And this week, it's Ruse Clothing. And they're a company where fashion meets family spirit. They're based in Teesside. And they wanted to create a brand which identified with them. They were fueled by the frustration of not being able to find a design which truly resonated uh, with themselves. So they decided to embark on a journey to try and craft their own brand and to find clothes which identifies with them. And they're really, really cool. Go and find them. Go and give them a search. It's www.ruse, R-O-O-S, clothing. But clothing is clo.co.uk forward slash board breakdown. And you'll be able to find their really cool merch. And the link's going to be in the description of the podcast and also on YouTube as well. So do give them uh, a follow and a search. Uh, but for right now, we're going to talk about the defeat to Millwall. The news from the week, uh, look ahead to Huddersfield and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Borough Mash Day Chatter in a pod. One support, Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett, hit it Higgy, Higgy hits the track! Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chatter in a podcast. And Borough suffered an opening day defeat to the hands of Millwall. Um, Borough have now went nine years uh, without an opening day win and misery and a rainy day in Teesside. Um, but guys, how are you feeling? Um, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. I want to hear uh, your one key takeaways um, from the game uh, yesterday and also Tom, you had a takeaway last night, so I'm keen to hear about that as well. Um, but Dana, <laughs> um, what was your one key takeaway from the game yesterday? Probably that I severely underestimated the step back from the team at the very end of last season and the team at the very beginning of this season. I knew that we'd take a hit in terms of creativity without Ryan Giles, but I thought that the squad would have enough within it to get by. Like, I didn't think that we were going to be as effective in terms of creativity without Giles, but I thought we would be able to just get by in the opening games of the season. And we could still do. It's game week one. But yesterday, I think it showed very glaringly, obviously, that there is a lot of work to do in the window. And fingers crossed we could get that work done because it was a poor performance yesterday. There's no getting past that. Tom, 
What's your one key takeaway? Yeah, one key takeaway for me is that I feel like I probably got a little bit carried away with uh, looking at how we were during pre-season last week. Um, I went into that game and essentially what happened was the opposite of what I was going and expecting. I was thinking we were going to go in and create a lot of chances but be fairly open at the back, just as it looked like we had been in pre-season. But the chance creation seemed to be a lot harder. I felt like everyone's kind of passing and movement was about half a yard off yesterday or, you know, two yards in some cases. And there were points in the first half, especially, but even a couple in the second half as well, where the defence really builds out and we did look strong at the back at times. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just to kind of touch on what, what Dana said there, there's still a lot of work to be done in the window. It would have been nice to to have a striker who knew, knew you know, the best positions to, to kind of be in yesterday because I, I don't think Rodgers did that. He definitely does seem like more of a winger for me. And, yeah, it, it's it's going to be difficult to replace that, that creativity of Giles. I, I do think we've got players in there who can do it, but it, it did seem like we were a little bit rusty yesterday and, I don't know, clearly a bit of a hangover from last season's continuing on. Yeah, and you know, I, I agree with you both there because uh, my one key takeaway was we still have a lot of work to do. And, you know, there's, and we need to still find ways to, to break teams down. I think, I know it's the second game under Carrick where we haven't scored at home, right? Obviously, it's funny because it's back to back, given that one was Coventry. And there was some similarities from Coventry and Millwall as well, which I do want to look at a little bit later on. But I just think, yeah, there's just some work to do. I just think naturally we were a bit off tempo yesterday, which I think was natural. Um, you know, some teams are really well prepared and raring to go. Some teams are just a little bit undercooked. Um, I thought we were a little bit undercooked yesterday. I didn't think I didn't think our tempo was there, and that is probably the most valuable part of and the most important part of how Bora plays. Just tempo. Like if we have our tempo right and we're able to play through the thirds, we destroy a lot of teams. Um, but you know, we just weren't. We just weren't one hundred percent yesterday, and I think there was a couple of reasons why. You know, obviously, naturally, uh, we need to keep investing in the market. Um, but for right now, I'm at a place where I just think, mm, still work to do. Can we be better in a couple of weeks' time? I think we will be. Will the team be the same as uh, it was yesterday by the end of August? Most likely not. So I know there's the, you can get um, carried away with a lot of things, but I think, yeah, it's just game week one. It's it happens. We never win. I see you can't the day that we, we yeah. never win on the opening day be ten years next year, won't it? So um On that yeah, as well, this, actually, that was yeah. Millwall's first win at the Riverside since April two thousand fourteen. So another nine year theme there. Nine years since their last win mm. at the Riverside. I looked at that yeah, because well, um Dan last week mentioned that Millwall don't have a good record at the Riverside. So I banked that and I was like, Well, there you go, there's your talk and win. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what happened in the 14-15 season? You know, we got to the playoff final. So, potentially a good omen. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, should we chat about the game? Uh, because Romain S's uh, first senior goal gave uh, Millwall the, the 1-0 win on the opening day. But there was a, a lovely moment in that game when it wasn't on the pitch. It was actually off it where Duncan Watmore got substituted and decided to join the Mills bench instead of the Millwall <laughs> one, um, which brought a lot of cheers uh, from the West End and a good gag. Um, I thought I was in panto because I, I didn't see yeah. it. I didn't see it. So I was like, what What are we all laughing at? Yeah, obviously, shook, I was yeah, probably tucking me. into my p- peanut M&Ms or my M&M brownies at that point because I was a bit bored. So I just started comfort eating. But I missed that. 
I missed one of the yeah, best parts of the game. It took him a bit, you know, to really realise and, you know, he just he just Middlesbrough at heart and he's and he done what more. <laughs> um but, yeah, bless him. But Dana, how would you uh, assess the performance yesterday? Because I know you were saying at the start that there's a lot more work to do. You think you underestimated the, the task at hand. So how would you assess things yesterday? It was the performance of a side that have many players playing out of position. And in a Michael Carrick team, certainly from last season, players aren't bound to the position that they play. For example, Riley McGree stationed as a left winger does not play as a left winger. He plays as a number 10. But I'm just I'm not, I'm not really buying in on this Morgan Rogers up front experiment. And I actually think that Michael Carrick got the team selection wrong yesterday. This isn't outcome bias because I was thinking it before the game and, and I probably would have thought it even if we won. I really want to see Marcus Force through the middle. I think to put Isaiah Jones on the right, Riley McGuire on the left, it would have given us a bit of width because yesterday we didn't have an outlet out wide. Everything was coming central and we were trying to drill through them through the middle, but everything was breaking down. I want to see Rogers deeper. I, I, I do agree with Tom. I think he is probably better as a winger but I think he can also do a lot better as a number 10 as well I think he's got the intelligence to be able to link up really well and he drops deep anywhere is what we've seen but I do think Michael Carrick got the team selection wrong last season's team I don't really want to compare this season's team to last season's team but it's going to happen naturally because they set the standard they set the marker they were so slick and quick in their combinations because they knew each other's game they knew where they were to be and they knew where they were going to be. And this team is very rusty within that. The combinations weren't anywhere near as slick. They kept breaking down. We kept trying to initiate one-twos. They were getting intercepted. The passes were going astray. The players were moving beyond the ball. It just wasn't crisp. And that's why I think you know, I, I underestimated the step back. Because in pre-season, the build-up was good. But yesterday, it really wasn't. We had 68% possession, but our XG was 0.74, which I'm actually surprised it was that high because it didn't feel like we really tested Sarkic uh, in the Millwall goal. So it was just really frustrating to watch. And yeah, it, it, it just reinforces this message that we have an awful lot of, of work to do. It was a poor performance. There's no getting away from that. It was it was really poor and and we need to improve. Mm. We do. Uh, Tom, What? why do you think Bora is still a little bit undercooked at the minute? Well, I, I don't know. I think we're, we're missing a few key players in, in key positions. Um, there are obviously see new players in the team, uh, like Morgan Rogers, who's then having to play out of position as well as, as getting used to a, a new team. You've got players who were just coming into the team after being kind of on the fringes last year and trying to step up and, uh, you know, be part of that starting eleven like Dan Barlasser. You've got players who were out on loan like Colson last season just coming into the team. It, it The cohesion's not going to be there as as much as it was last season. And, you know, we've mentioned it a couple of times, pre-season looked good uh, in terms of some of the passing play. It looked like it should have been a lot quicker. And then for some reason yesterday, just it seemed very slow. Um, like Dana just said, we were attempting one-twos, which were just getting intercepted. Uh, I felt bad for Dan Barlasser, the amount of passes he tried, which were were just getting picked out, which, to be fair, he, he has to take blame for as well. But I do think some of our off-the-ball off the ball movement was, was lacking yesterday. Yeah, it, it just seems like a kind of real lack of cohesion. And I'm not even 
suggesting that Millwall were were much better yesterday because they also looked like it's the first game of the season. They're probably going to improve from this point as well. Giving them credit, they they were solid at the back and and looked dangerous on the break. But it, it did look like two teams who would just come out of pre-season. And I think the the best way of putting it was was mentioned on BBC T's yesterday. The more effective team won. Um, mm. We just we just didn't do anything. Some of our crossing yesterday was abysmal. Um, and if, even if it had been good, Morgan Rogers isn't a striker, so he wasn't in the position to get his head on anything. And you know, I, I, I don't particularly like Crooks on that number ten spot either. So uh, you know, I, I can't remember seeing him close to to anything either. I forgot that he was yeah. on the pitch. I'm, I'm, I must admit, I forgot that Crooks was there. The connections just weren't there, were there? They, they really weren't. Everything was just that 1% off, which I suppose for some fans felt like more than that. But this is a, a team with very notable teething issues and the Passover from last season's team and this season's team is very obvious now because last season's team were incredibly fun to watch and they were incredibly effective as well. And and this team just game week one, remember, this is the first, the very first game. They will get better, but there were obvious issues there yesterday that need to be worked on. And yeah, I reiterate, I've I've not criticized Carrick pretty much at all on this podcast since he's been in charge because there's been very little to criticise but I just, I'm not buying into this Morgan Rogers upfront experiment I actually feel bad for him, I hope there's no character assassination of him because he's playing a role that isn't his and he said that, he said that he's learning as he's doing it, I just can't understand why we've got a number 9 there perfectly capable number 9 in Marcus Voss and we're not playing him as a number 9, like I understand that he's, he's effective as a right midfielder but needs most we don't have another striker but we've got Marcus Voss and we're playing him out wide and the pieces of that jigsaw yesterday were all over the shop for me I think if you move things around the team definitely reads a lot better you've got Marcus Voss number nine Ryan McGree on the on the left uh Zai Jones on the right Morgan Rogers through the middle on paper that reads a lot better but who am I to judge yeah uh to us I agree with you both I think it did feel a bit clunky yesterday I also think that that Crooksy in the with in the support of striker role really just didn't didn't work as, as much. I, I wanted him to I think the beauty of with Akpom and you have these type of players who can play in what positions is just like they're able to like drop into the midfield, they're able to bring players out of position, they're able to like just create space for a forward to to run in behind. Um and I, I think it was just a bit static yesterday. I, it was a bit frustrating because Rogers was pretty stuck in this in a central position, and I would have liked to seen him a bit more in that like the half space, the pitch nodes, just outside um, of or on that one of the wider centre backs. Like can see a bit there. I like to see Crooks play a little bit more, you know, central. Try to bring players away to create the space, and also to keep wide as well. There was so, so many times yesterday where we, we played into country's hands. I want not country Millwall's hands. Um, I've got country <laughs> in the mind because I want to talk yeah. about them in a second. But um, we played into their hands quite a lot yesterday and it was frustrating and just thought that tempo just wasn't there but there is a reason there's a tactical reason but also there's many reasons why we can continuously prove and I, I probably agree I didn't think we, we got the selections right yesterday and also as the game went on I would have liked us to see us just just switch up a little bit you know you had the subs on there you had the subs there to to hopefully make an impact um Alex Gilbert you know there's who was on the bench who has had a good preseason Martin Piero's as the lair 
You know, you've got Isaiah Jones. There's, there's players there that could have probably influenced the game. You're saying, I just thought we played it a little bit safe. We won no down. You may as well give it a go right now and just try and test stuff. Because um, the first five to six games don't really matter too much. Um, so it's just keep testing, learn and find the tweaks and hopefully we can start to, to kick, uh, get going again. But I think there was some good things. And Tom, do you think they're actually, I know we can, we're all saying we need to improve the X, Y and Z, but do you think there was anything that we did well yesterday? Uh, no, not particularly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I didn't think our chance creation was was great yesterday. There was a lot of trying to either force it through the middle, which was getting intercepted, or where we did go out wide, our crossing was closer to the corner flag than it was to uh, anyone else in the box. Um, I, I thought, I, I, we, we keep coming back to it, but Morgan Rogers up front, he wasn't playing that kind of Cameron Archer role from from last season and trying to get in behind. A lot of the time, he was coming deep and trying to play with his back to goal. But then, when he was getting pressured by one of like you know Millwall's massive centre backs, his first touch was suffering as a result. And then, you know that that puts us back. Really, there was a lot of time playing in front of of Millwall. And I think that was possibly a contributing factor to Barlas having such a bad game because he was left with so much time on the ball at, at times to try and pick a pass, but there was no one really free. So even, even if he could pass it five yards, it would come back to him and then we're, we're back to square one. Like I said, we're about half a yard off yesterday. I, I don't think it was a good performance. I will credit the defence. I do think, like I said, they, they build us out a couple of times, even though I did feel worried every time Watmore got on the ball and started running at them. Um, <laughs> but obviously not nothing kind of ever really came of that. And Dieng, I would probably say, had a, a decent game as well. There was nothing he could do for for the for the goal and you know, commanded his box well and, and, and was able to kind of distribute well. Looked extremely calm. I didn't think we were going to see anyone in goal as calm as Zach Steffen, but you know, Dieng, his heartbeat must be about five per minute or something like that. Like <laughs> it's just so calm coming out with the ball. But yeah, there wasn't really too much in terms of positives to to take. One I would say towards the end of the match was Sammy Silvera. I thought when he came on, he did look like he was going to create something, but that's that's about it. I can say creatively. Yeah, and and just don't come what more. Um, I was saying to to Matt um yesterday, our graphic designer, and I just said, I was so glad that don't come what more played yesterday because a decent play, a play of decent end product would have probably done us three zip. Um, but you know he had he had Johnny. progressive runs. <laughs> Not you know, these criticisms to poor little Duncan. Um, that's not a criticism, but like he did so, he did like all the good things where, like, you know, he, he was progressive, got the ball, mm. and then the end product was just horrendous. And I was like, it is very vintage Watmore, isn't it? To be fair, yeah. So it's not a criticism, it's just how he plays. Like, his end product's just not amazing. <laughs> and that's why you're in the championship, isn't it? But obviously, that's like me saying that on the podcast, you know. So, um, but yeah, a, a player of decent end product would have done us three zip and I'm absolutely certain of that also and another thing as well that I noticed from the game yesterday obviously bad what more thing <laughs> I was wondering why like we were had so much possession um, you know we weren't creating many chances and you know we didn't really look comfortable in front of goal we weren't creating the chance that we needed to create and it's weird because this is what the second time in, under Carrick that we haven't scored and interestingly it's back to back games that it's happened so there must be some similarities so I went on to Y Scout and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna have a look at this. And from the Coventry game and the Millwall game, both teams played, you know, like a, a three-four 
to one or however you want to say it. formations change depending on where you are what i noticed was a box midfield in both sides and the, and the setups are very very similar and the box midfield is in itself it just gives you like a player advantage in the middle of the field the aim is to control the central areas and try and stop middlesbrough from playing so like middlesbrough really do i find a lot of their play comes from like the goal kick in itself so i went for do get a goal kick what you'll want to find is now, when Dien gets the ball, and Stefan had the ball last year, your aim is to try and give it to Hackney or Balassa, your two centre mids, because they help Borough on the transition so much. They're probably one of the most important part of how Borough play. And then what I noticed is both teams, uh, Coventry and uh, Norwell, they didn't press our centre-backs at all from a goal kick. Um, so then everyone waited. They let Middlesbrough come up the pitch. They, they were like, you can, okay, you can you can have the ball, you can have the ball, you can have the ball. And as soon as when Borough were, were in play, so like when we were, got into play, we would bring the ball forward. And then as soon as Hackney or Valassa received the ball, that's when the press started. Um, so when you look uh, at Millwall's press uh, in itself, it was essentially just let's aim for Hackney, let's aim for Balassa, and let's stop Borough playing. And the bonus of like a of a box midfield, it's that, well, the negative really of it is that it's quite narrow. But if you're able to turn Middlesbrough over, like Millwall and like Coventry did, they were able to get in behind very quickly with numbers uh, as well. So they're able to counter attack you. They're able to find space in, in wide areas as well, and just try and attack Borough's fullbacks. And you'll you'll notice that that box is just as soon as Middlesbrough progress, as soon as Middlesbrough progress a little bit further, like the wing back will have the ball. There's no real pressure, but as soon as it comes in that central area, like the Millwall press did, um, they would aim to do that. So Borough need to find like new ways to to actually counter this now because yesterday we had Balassa on the pitch who isn't a progressive player. We had Crooks who isn't a progressive player. Morgan Rogers is, but was in the wrong position. And also McGree was playing more central as well, so that'll create more space out wide to aim for Borough's wing backs as well. So going forward. We need to look and find progressive players. So what we need to be able to do is when Millers will have the space, identify and utilize our progressive players. So you look at Silvera, McGree, Hackney, you're looking at uh, Jones, Rogers, put force up top. You want to have players to play through this box when we are trying to stick things around the temples and off. You're able to control that central area and essentially create and control most of the game. For a real key takeaway is just we need to find ways to beat the box. And by beating the box, you have to have progressive players. And yesterday, we just didn't have a progressive player in the right area to able to bring the ball forward and try and get the ball out wide. You can stretch it, stretch teams. If you try and play narrow, you will literally just fall into the trap of playing their game. And I think Bora did that yesterday. I think we just played their hands far too much and they were able to, to pick us off on the counter-attack. So... Next game, I would like us to maybe start with Silvera, maybe force up top. I would like to see Rogers drop in deep or with Alex Gilbert there or Akpom and just kind of move away from the from the crooks in the in supporting strike role. Because I feel like yesterday that just didn't work and it hasn't worked because we were playing it at their hands and trying to play a bit too narrow. So you know it's it's one of those things we'll move on from it, but we need to keep finding ways to to beat the box and it's becoming more popular more teams will will know what to do against us um but we did try something different yesterday i want to talk about the short short corners why do you think we did that tom because you know stand like the standard is whip the ball into the box and just hope for the best but boy we're trying something a little bit different yesterday why do you think that was um the new advert on darlene hadn't to score so they were just like <laughs> trying to take any any chance of that happening away but i think we're just just trying to trying to improve that 
that part of our game and hopefully cause you know a, a few more goals from set pieces. We were what fifteenth for set pieces last season in the championship. I'd, I'd be interested to see where the promoter teams were from that, but I think it is a, a good opportunity to try and get some more goals from. And I can see what we're trying to do with it. We have seen it work effectively in the past. I think particularly under under Karanka in the playoff season, I believe. I don't think we saw it as much in the promotion season. But I vividly remember uh, one against uh, a free kick against Birmingham, which was well worked, which Kike put straight to the keeper. And then later in the season, there was a corner where we beat Ipswich at the Riverside. And that's... You know, short corner, t- taken quickly, bit of quick movement on that side, swung in, and Ayala got on it, got his head on it and scored. So we know that could work, but yesterday it was too slow. It looked like we were passing it between about three different people uh, on that on whatever side the corner was on, trying to create that that perfect pass or that perfect chance for a cross, which was just never coming. And even if we did get a chance to cross, it was usually like nowhere near anyone um, because. Well, pretty much no one has the delivery of Ryan Giles. So, yeah, it, it was a bit frustrating that one. I, th- I think we saw it work uh, late last season. Was it at home to home to Coventry last game of the season? Did we score a fun? Yeah, and that that was like just it, it was quick, kind of taken into the box. Someone managed to turn and, and square it across, but that was quick. This wasn't, and everything we were trying yesterday was like. We were practicing it at half speed on the training ground, and it was just never going to work against Millwall. Mm. What would you like to see from the set piece routines, Dana? Because I know the the look you gave me when I mentioned short corners um, wasn't <laughs> particularly great. So, what would you like to see from the from the set piece routines that we're trying to implement? I'd actually like to see more front post activity because we have Matt Crooks in the team at present, and Matt Crooks, you'd think six foot three, six foot four. I don't know how tall he is. Don't trust Google on football is height but he is so much more effective from the second balls the second contact than direct first contact he is the type of player that in a goal mouth scramble can teleport the ball home from flick-ons it frustrates me so much when it hits the first man because a lot of the time that is the intended area but there's just no movement there and a lot of the time when it is when it is an uncontested headed clearance from the first, from the man at the front post it's because there's just no movement. And we see that quite often with Borough. First man, uncontested clearance, headed away, start a, a, an attack for the opposition because there's just no movement. And that really frustrates me. What frustrates me even more is when it, the ball goes straight into the keeper's gloves. I, I want to see more front post activity. I think we can have a lot of um, efficiency with flick-ons. We just don't see the the players run into the front post necessarily. So... Yeah, it's for sure. I don't, I don't actually mind short corners so long as the man that receives the ball from the short corner whips that ball in first time because it changes the angle. As soon as one pass becomes two, three, four, five, you might as well just give the opposition a goal kick. And last season started this trend for me and it should have started well before that. But every time where I get a corner, there is no reaction from me. Because I know it's not an advantage. You know when teams or fans of teams, they get up, they get excited. It's an opportunity. For me, I'm like, well, nothing's coming from this. So what's the point in even getting excited or full of anticipation for, for it? We know what's going to happen. 
And a lot of the time, we don't even see a chance. I think we might have seen a half chance yesterday with Daryl Lenahan's 50p head, got his head on it, and, and it skewed hey. past the, the post. I thought that Your was the moment. Part. I thought that was the moment for Tom. And it just, it, yeah, it wasn't. No, nah, it, it was when he teed himself up from 40 yards. So I was like, oh, this is going <laughs> to be it. <laughs> Can you imagine? That, would that have counted, though? Because it's not from a corner. Yeah, it's oh, that was Lenahan so any time, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. I suppose in the in-pod theme seems to be Daryl Lenahan from a corner, so it wouldn't have counted for the in-pod mm. theme. We all expect it from a corner, but no one expects mm-hmm. it from a 40-yard screamer, and neither did Lenahan by the looks of it, or their keeper. <laughs> it will happen at some point. It, I won't be surprised if that is the way that Daryl Lenahan scores for Millsborough Football Club. But yeah, the short corners, I don't mind, as long as it's put into the box quickly and when Borough make one pass into about six or seven it just slows it down Millwall can reset get back into their shape and then it's back to this trying to pin them central and, and drill through them that way which is not working so yeah it, it sums it up doesn't it that the biggest reaction to something that happened in the game came from us deciding to take the corner long <laughs> rather than short so that epitomizes it i think and it's so funny that that corner amounted to piss all as per usual mm. yeah we do that every week look at the ball in the box so i mean it never works in the middle trying something different right i'll tell you what johnny uh, our ball prediction is faltering already on game week one yeah. <laughs> i believe i believe in it i'm all in I'm all in on set pieces, and I'm all in on Daryl Lenahan scoring this season. I'm all in. Maybe we have to bring out a shirt for that, you know, all in on Lenahan. Mm. Um, just, I'm all in. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, anyway, on a brighter note, uh, then a Sam- Sammy Silvera, like I know we mentioned it a little bit earlier, he came, he came on and he looked like a really like good player, like a, as a definite a bright spark. Do you reckon like he can break into the 11 a lot more? I know he's coming from the bench. He came on the left-hand side where McGree normally is, so... Do you think he has a? Do you know, how would you think his minutes will, will change throughout the season? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't think he gets in there initially. I would like to see him, but he's competing with Riley McGree for a spot in the team. And I think that Riley McGree has that position himself for the foreseeable, even though I thought at times he was bright yesterday, but he was just a little bit rusty, which really fits into the theme of, of Middlesbrough collectively yesterday. But Sammy Silvera is a fun player and I'm, I'm excited about him. I think there is a gem in Sammy Silvera that I really want to see more of. But right now, it would probably mean that Riley McGree plays left back as we saw yesterday, which I'm not, that's not Riley McGree's best position. If you want to get the best out of Riley McGree, you're not going to play him left back, do you? So this goes back to the conversation that we've had of square pegs around holes and the pieces of the jigsaw just aren't really fitting for Borough at the moment. So I would like to see Sammy Silvera, but I'm not sure how he gets into that team. You could put him on the right, but I think he's far more dangerous from cutting inside on the left and unleashing a shot. He had a shot yesterday. It was fairly decent because usually when you see a Borough striker unleash a shot from that range, it skews into the River Tees. But I think he's probably more, most dangerous from a cutting inside, unleashing a shot and troubling defenders that way. So I would like to see him on the left, but I just don't think he gets in place of Riley McGree right now. Okay, then. Um, and just another player, Tom, who returned uh, yesterday, Johnny Houghton, um, who got a, a standard ovation before he even got on the pitch, which was quite funny. Um, obviously, Dan Balassa was playing in, in his position yesterday. I'm assuming that Housen comes in straight away and takes that position back now that he's fit. I think it. Well, I mean, it depends on his fitness, doesn't it? I mean, you yeah. say he's fit, but he was only on for for what twenty minutes or so. It might be more of a gradual return to fitness for him. I don't think Balassa did himself any favors last week, which is typical after I backed him on last week. Uh, <laughs> last week, sure. Um, <laughs> no, he, he 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 didn't have a, a good game yesterday, so. If Housen was fit enough to return now and take that position back, he can't have any complaints if that does happen. Um, but it, it'd be interesting to see what happens on Tuesday, especially um, with, with that cup game. If you know Housen or maybe even Piero gets a look in um, in centre midfield for for that game, or if Balassa returns his place, um, you know, who, who knows? But I, I think a lot depends on how fit Housen actually is. It, it does, and. He did make a difference when he came on yesterday. He's a, he's a much more of a progressive player, so kind of makes sense and feeds into the narrative that we've been saying as the, the podcast has, has gone on. But let's move on. Let's keep it positive. Let's go to the present place uh, for the first time this season. Uh, the present place is the place. We like to give praise uh, to a player, a coaching staff member, 
did is her Tom's uh, masseuse, and also yeah, uh, and a sixty six um a sixty six sportswear. So we've brought out another Bora Breakdown shirt uh, for a very limited time only. Um, it's an away kit theme, and it's based on the two thousand one two thousand two away shirt, and it's only available for about a month and a bit, and it's absolutely stunning. You'll find the link in your podcast provider or on YouTube and on our social channels as well. Uh, Thirty five pound, and it is just an absolute beauty. Dana Malt, who is in your present place this week? I'm going to say Darlenahan because with each game that we see of Darlenahan, he be- he just becomes so much more of an astute signing. And it took him a while to get really up to speed, didn't it, last season? There were changes within the defence, obviously changes within the, the management department, the coaching department, and it didn't help him. But he honestly just looks so good. Um, really, really good. He is challenging uh, Dale Fry as as Borough's best defender, in my opinion, and he's just so composed. Whenever he takes the ball in positions where anxiety may mount for other championship centre-halves, he is so zen, he's so composed, he knows exactly what to do with it. You can tell he used to be a midfielder back in the day. He just gets better. And defensively as well, he's just very, very good. He knows when to make those interceptions, when to make those tackles. He was very solid yesterday and he just looks every bit of a good signing. So Darlene Hyman gets my pick for praise this week. All in on Lenahan. Uh Tom, who gets your praise uh, place in the praise and place? I think I'm also going to have to go all in on Lenahan here because I oh, think he's the only one who actually deserves it from yesterday. Like I, I said earlier, um, I thought Dieng looked good, but I feel like that would be a very low bar to put Dieng in the uh, prison place after yesterday because <laughs> he didn't really have a lot to do other than that one-on-one save, which was quality. That was good. Yeah, um, that was good. Yeah. In fact, we'll put him in there as well, just just yeah. for that save. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Lenahan, just he's very, very consistent. Um, I mean, other than the the start of last season where I don't think anyone played well, I don't think I've seen him drop many like bad performances at all. Uh, I think as as a, a captain stepping in while you know Housen was injured, he does the job extremely well. Um, you know, you can you can see the effect of his leadership on the team, constantly talking, and like Dana said, there he's just very assured whenever he's he's on the ball or. One thing I noticed yesterday was when when he's going in for a, a header, it's not even that he's necessarily out jumping the player that the opposition player that's going for it. He just reads the path of the ball so well. So like he, there was one point where he's actually two yards behind the player who missed the header because he knew that that was going to go over his head and straight on his head. It was um, <laughs> it was interesting to see like just that sort of judgment of the the flight of the ball really. Um, very impressive. So, yeah, Daryl Lenahan for me as well. Yeah, and I've went all in on Lenahan as well. Like, I feel like we should start comparing notes more because um, I'm going, <laughs> I think I thought he was it was great yesterday. Um, definitely Borough's best. I know Danny is saying he's challenging uh, Dale Fry. I think he is Borough's best defender. Um, I wouldn't Lenahan, argue like, against that. Like, yeah, I wouldn't argue. Man. He's fantastic. Um, a real leader um, in the team. 
and it's just very impressive yesterday. So yeah, congratulations to Dara. We are all in um, on on you. So yeah, congratulations to that. But let's move on. Uh, let's move to podcast questions. So every week you get the chance to send us your questions via Twitter, um, the bore underscore breakdown on the email, uh, the bore breakdown hotmail.com, or by joining our Telegram chat with over three hundred sixty bore fans chatting. Probably nothing about Bora, to be honest, uh, but we do chat about Bora sometimes. Um, but the first question this week, and I've kind of set up the three themes this week because when we looked at our questions, there was definitely some, um, you know, similarities uh, from from supporters. And one of them was around Dan Barlasa. And is he, is he good enough uh, to play in the current position and the current role? And I'll spot a little bit about Johnny House in there as well. Um, so, Dana, is Dan Barlasa good enough to play in the current position and role. Absolutely. Absolutely he is. I don't think it's necessarily fair to write him off now because remember last season he had a very, very good game against Luton where he controlled the game and he was fantastic in midfield alongside Hayden Hackney. Let's not forget that. So that's what Dan Barlasa can offer us. We've seen it mostly in glimpses and then that game as well. So we need to see it more from him. But someone in our Telegram chat said it probably summed it up the best that if the team offers a collective, Dan Barlas will not look good in it because he needs that movement. He needs that movement in behind. He's mm-hmm. He's got a very, very good eye for a pass, very good vision does Dan Barlas. But if those players around him aren't making those runs, what do you expect from him? Uh, you know, he's he can't tell his teammates where to be. I feel like they need to be there already. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a good base for him if the team aren't performing as a collective. So he's absolutely good enough. I would not write him off because he's talented and it would pain me if he doesn't perform well overall at Millsbury because I've liked Dan Barlasa for a while since he was at Akron Stanley. So I do think he's a very talented player. We just need to see the team as a collective perform better and then I think we'll see him perform better too. So don't write Dan Barlasa off. Yeah, absolutely. I think, interestingly, if you look on like FB Ref as well, like his progressive runs is pretty terrible, but his progressive passes are absolutely <laughs> insane. Yeah. Um, so it, it really does feed in that narrative as well. Like if you if you have a team that moves and uh, is, is moving and trying to get in good places, he will find you. So... Play, play to his strengths as well. Um, the next question um, is is it probably the most important question question I'm going to ask you is all day, uh, and it's palm on a bun. Uh, is it worth five pound ten, uh, Tom? Five pound ten. Yes, you had a palm all last night. Of course, you didn't. Say, you said it wasn't very good, um, but it wasn't at the ground. I must have to have to clarify that. Um, <sighs> but is five pound ten worth it for a palm on a bun? You know what? Yesterday was actually one of the rare occasions where I had one, and it was very nice. So I'm going to say yes. Um, I was, I was it in the you, ground? Yeah. Mm, too hit and miss you, with their bechamel like, sauce. When you look at the price of a palm oil, it's usually like what eight quid, nine quid anywhere, even for a mm. half shot. That in a bun, five pound tens, like much lower than than what you expect, even if it is um, a, a small size. Yeah. See. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, you know, I used to be a big fan, and then I, I have a personal agenda here because you know they changed the buns to like a normal bun to a, like a, um. a crushed sesame bun, and I'm allergic to sesame. So 
I can't have them anywhere now, so <laughs> Sorry, they're not worth it. Sorry, I don't know why it. I'm laughing at that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny, don't we? Uh, but it's just, it's just not worth it, you know? But I do want to give a shout um, to a specific fan, Daniel. I mean, you go to every match day, every home match day. He's returned, hasn't he? Uh, the, the old Macam. And it was it was fantastic service yesterday, I thought. Um, what did you get? Did you get mm. your standard chips and curry, or was it just the... I didn't get anything. No, I didn't get what? anything, because oh. I had scrammed two cheese sandwiches in a brioche bun before the game. So I, I wasn't hungry, but my dad got a cheeseburger, I think. But yeah, you cannot top the Mac. Teesside's favourite Macam, I think. Um, yeah. Forget Grand Ledbetter. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't matter compared to the, the Macam in the, in the burger van uh, on the leeway. Yeah. yeah, it was good to see him back. Yeah, on, yeah, on the leeway as well. Yeah, so if you're coming, if you're coming down from the from the navy to the last one on the right hand side, isn't it? Such a good time, honestly. Uh, mm. I mean, I should be I should be paid to to talk about that, but I'm not. I'm just talking goodness <laughs> on my own heart. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on to less important uh, agenda points. Um, transfers, Tom. Uh, do we need to recruit more than a left back and a striker? Yeah, I think we do. I think obviously we need a first choice left back and a first choice striker. I think we actually need two strikers uh, to to add into this team. And something I'd like to see, and I think this very much depends on if Piero stays or not. Um, I, I think he will, but the, I think there's always that um, that question there of like, will will we sell him on to anyone? Uh, he, what he's what fourth choice centre midfielder at the moment. If we were to get rid of Piero, I would like to see a proper kind of defensive midfielder um, brought in uh, to to play alongside either Hackney or uh, or Balassa really. Um, and I know we we try and get our uh, our def- our midfielders to to carry the ball and and be progressive. I still like the ability to play out from from the back in a, a centre defensive midfielder, but I would also like someone who's going to be strong in the tackle and very much kind of like Adam Clayton, not not afraid to take a yellow card to to break down an attacking move, um, which I think we were guilty of not doing a few times yesterday. I don't know what it was, but I instantly when you soon said I'm Clayton that I instantly thought of Sheffield Wednesday where like he was on the line, he tried to do like a rugby scrum to try and get the ball out. <laughs> that was funny. Uh good old Adam Clayton. Um anyway, let's let's move on uh, to news and link list. Um because you know, Dana, you are uh well taking charge and taking lead, uh shall we say, on uh, the linked players uh, from the weekend. But we've been linked with quite a few, right? So who have we been linked with and what do you think of them? Yeah, it went quiet for a while and all of a sudden we've been linked with four players. First, the outgoings. Obviously, Matthew Hoppy joined the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, until January, I think, their season obviously works very differently in the MLS, but that deal has an option to buy. So I think it's safe to say that we are going to say goodbye to Matthew Hoppy very soon. In terms of incomings, we've been linked with Josh King, obviously former Manchester United, Bournemouth, Watford striker, uh, currently playing for Fenerbahce, although the latest reports are that he's set to sign for Luton. Um, so that might be ticked off very soon or crossed out very soon. Uh, Arthur Souza, uh, striker from Corinthians, young player, only 20 years old. He's only played once for Corinthians. He's mostly played for their under-20s. He's been linked with those reports in Brazil suggesting that Borat are expected to make a formal offer in the coming days. 
Then uh, Gremio's central midfielder Bitello has also been linked with Bora in Brazil as well. The report states that Gremio uh, would only sanction a deal in January, whereas Bora won Bitello on that. So I feel like that's past Bora by. I have seen reports suggesting that he's Arsenal bound. So oh, wow. talent ID check there for Bora if he yeah. is uh, set to sign for Arsenal. And then Matthias uh, Abline from Stad Rene, striker. Available on loan, uh, reports in L'Equipe, uh, who are a big French paper, suggest that uh, Sunderland are also interested in him as well. So four players linked with Borough this week, three of them strikers, interestingly, and one is a central midfield player. So expect movement in the striker department very soon, I think. Any realistic ones now? Any, any would, would, I know, I mean, it's very hard to see a Corinthians player who's played one game. <laughs> I mean, why Scott will not help as much there, will it? No. So, um, <laughs> very much Brazilian favour on that one. Um, but yeah, is there any that you kind of like the look of? Well, I think that's realistic. No, you know what? It's weird because with with Arthur Sousa and Bitello and probably um, Ablad as well, they just seem like they're obviously very young players. With Sousa, I wouldn't be surprised if we do sign him. This is the twenty-year-old striker from Corinthians if he becomes an under-21 player, I just can't really see. Given the fact that he's he's only played once for Corinthians, I just don't see him being a first-team fixture if he does join Borough. So it is an interesting quartet of players. Josh King, obviously very experienced, but the other three very inexperienced. Um, they just strike me as uh, players that might end up being, probably not Bitello if he's, if he's joining Arsenal, but uh, players for the for the youth team, maybe. Cool. Okay, then. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to uh, Tuesday night now where Bora are in action uh, in the Carabao Cup against Neil Warnock's Huddersfield. Um, we're backed uh, by 2,300 Bora fans on Tuesday night, which is fantastic. And Bora trying to get to the second round of the Carabao Cup for the first time in three years. Um, wow. We've got some fantastic record there. We, I mean, the teams we played, we played Bouncy twice and lost both, uh, which is quite funny. <laughs> Um, that's not a surprise really though is it yeah it's not no um, I think it's and then the the year prior to that the 1920 we actually lost against crew at home on penalties as well so mm. we haven't made to the third yeah. round in about four or five years which is interesting anyway uh, to hear more about Neil Warnock's uh, Huddersfield we spoke to Brady from and he takes that chance podcast again a little bit more insight hello Brady here from the and he takes that chance Huddersfield town fan podcast yeah thoughts on the summer so far not a great summer. Um, I mean, unbeaten in pre-season, we've done the Neil Warnock Classic, go down to Devon and Cornwall, go to Neil's for a barbecue, play some uh, Sunday league teams, win quite handsomely. In fairness, it's all about getting the players together and bonding, as I'm sure Middlesbrough fans will be all too familiar with. In terms of incoming players who've excited us, it's not very exciting at the moment. I think that's kind of the problem. So we brought in a second-choice goalkeeper and as a free agent, Chris Maxwell, um, who's very experienced and, to be fair, as a second-choice keeper, could be a lot worse. And we've also brought in Tom Edwards, who's a right-back on loan from Stoke. Um, seems like a very Neil Warnock type of player. Seems like he's happy to stick his head in for a, just a winner throw-in. Um, the, the funny thing was, when he was announced, we, hadn't, we didn't really know much about him. And then in his uh, interview... With the club, he admitted that he's got a really good long throw-in and he's learnt from uh, Stokes throw-in specialist legend, uh, Rory Delap. So <laughs> expect that from, from a Neil Warnock team. Yeah, um, 
we really need a, another striker um, and a midfielder. So I think it's a case of, although the, the signings aren't exactly sexy, but I think it's a classic case of if we got though that striker and midfielder that we need and then brought in his position, uh, additions, it'd look like a good window. So, yeah, just one of them, really. You can't really get excited by a second-choice goalkeeper, can you? But we did need a right-back, so that's that's useful to have. How's Warnock setting us up this season? So we're playing like a 4-2-3-1. So Danny Ward's up front, and then we've got kind of Karoma and Sorba Thomas on the flanks with uh, Jack Rodoni in the middle, sometimes Ibrahima Diara. Um, we're more like a 3-5-2 off the ball as well, but it's a classic, like we we do the man-marking, as again, I'm sure you guys are familiar with having uh, season and a half with Neil Warnock. It's all, you know, it's all fairly standard. But yeah, it's going okay. Obviously, we've lost 3-1 to Plymouth, so um, I'll just fill town Twitter is a, in a bit of a meltdown at the moment, but um, let's judge it after the transfer window shuts because I think the club have made it very clear that we've got a, a few additions to make, so I don't think you can, in fairness, I don't think you can really judge Neil and the team until the, the window shuts. Predictions for this one? I really don't know because Huddersfield have a classic kind of um, chuck away any cup games to concentrate on the league but because Neil Warnock's in charge I'm not sure if uh, if we will do that um, I would expect Chris Maxwell to play probably wrestling Lee Nichols and give some of the fringe players a go um, anyone that stands out particularly for you guys that would be interesting probably Carl Hudlin um, in case your listeners didn't know Neil Warnock uh, has in his ranks a six foot nine striker, Kyle Hudlin, who's actually, in fairness to him, looked quite impressive in preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts. Kean Harrah, who's another young lad, he is, uh, yeah, he's he looked impressive in preseason, another striker. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see that three five two against you guys. But I don't. This is kind of the issue with the team. We don't have a lot of squad depth at the moment because we've sold a lot of players to hopefully bring in that striker midfielder. So um a tough one to call. I don't think there'll be much changes from the from the lineup against Plymouth to be honest, but we shall see. But no thanks guys for having me on and um yeah, uh, I'm sure I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much uh for that Brady. Um so Tom Cup fever at Huddersfield. Uh what do you think? Do you think it's a perfect time for for Bora play uh, for Bora to make some changes and give some players a chance to shine? I'm torn on that because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, one of our problems yesterday was the lack of cohesion. I don't think we're going to do that by rotating the squads too much. That said, we could try and get the balance of the squad right, at least in this game. Um, I would take Crooks out and put Silvera in. Uh, maybe look at playing uh, a free of Silvera, McGree and Rogers behind um Marcus Force and 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 go with that uh, that setup. But other than that, yeah, I, I think you you maybe try and try and play as similar a team as possible and and kind of gain that cohesion. Although, like we said earlier, I think the centre midfield a lot is gonna reply uh, rely on how uh, how fit Housen is if he needs the minutes. A cup game might be the ideal place to to swap him in for Barlasa. Yeah, be the same for for Corbin and potentially Akpom as well. Obviously, you know there's there's always that rumor about Akpom potentially leaving. So, do you want to play him or not? But perfect time to give minutes. So, I agree with that. But let's move on to predictions as well, Dana. How are you feeling about this one? Can Middlesbrough make to the first uh, for the sec to the second round for the first first time in three years? Can we do that? Can we? Can I we? mean, based on based on Huddersfield's defending against Plymouth yesterday, then maybe. I mean. 
Bally Mumba's goal was fun. It was was a great solo effort, but then when you look at it again, it was the pattern of the Red Sea, really, wasn't it? The Huddersfield defence just backed off, backed off, backed off. You said there that he was playing on amateur mode. Absolutely <laughs> was. Um, it was terrible defending the first goal from um Halik defending was terrible as well. But uh, Cal Hudlin, by the way, was a former Borough target, if reports are to be believed. Um, the six foot nine striker was linked with when Warnock was in charge, I think, when he was at Solihull Moors Hudlin. So a uh, very interesting one there. I think we I think we will. Uh, I would like to see us get through. And I agree with Tom about maybe not changing it so much giving maybe Silvera a chance, maybe bring in Jones, Housen for fitness, but largely keep the team the same and hope that we can find that extra step or that next step towards clicking and being a, a cohesive unit. So uh, I am going to go prediction-wise 2-1 Borough and goal scorers. I'm going to go Gilbert. I think Gilbert will score and also Silvera. Alex Gilbert going full, full Gilbert on a Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> Tom, what's going to be your predictions? Dana's going for a 2-1 win. What do you think? I also had 2-1, but I'm now feeling like being different and saying 2-0. <laughs> the only reason I was going to say 2-1 is it would be written for them to score off a long throw to a six foot nine striker. But mm. Uh, mm. yeah, we'll, we'll go with 2-0. Um, and force and McGree to get the goals. Okay. Um, I'm going to go um, 1-0 win, and we're going to score from the short corner, and <laughs> Vandenberg's going to score from the, in the back post. That's going to be my prediction. Um, so there you go. Lenahan's going to flick on. We all think it's gonna, he's going to score, and uh, Vandenberg's going to slide in and just like <laughs> stop us again. Uh, Shithouse Island man. candidate that would be. That would be. Um, I'm very excited to, to bring that back this season as well, um, to be honest. But guys, uh, that's it. Thank you very much uh, for joining me, as always. The listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for listening to us and watching as well. Don't forget uh, to give us a thumbs up, a subscription, and all that kind of fun stuff helps get found and chatted. And, you know, it'll be, it's great just to see us in the chat. Um, but for right now, the Borough's opening day blues continue. It's square pegs in round holes and box midfields. Um, but will Borough bounce back? Only time will tell. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was our Borough Mash Day chatter in a pod. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.